Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So we're in this series, which is called Kingdom Living, and this series is about us partnering with God in His plan for the world. So God has a plan, He has a purpose, and He has a way of living. All right? It's expansive and it's inclusive. This is what kingdom living means. It wants to touch each and every part of your life. And so today, the title of my message is called Made for Mondays. And today, I'm going to be talking about work. Now, prior to me becoming a pastor, I I went to university, studied business, management, and marketing, and I had a 10-year career in sales and marketing, which I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, serving in the local church as a volunteer, but loving uh, doing what I did, and God gave me a lot of favor. Uh, In that time, I had a lot of opportunities. And uh, when I left uh, Sydney to come to Brisbane, I had my own office with a harbour view and uh, the opportunity to go around the world with my company. And I didn't leave that job because I hated it, but I felt that God was calling me to a different season. So I love work. I love what God is doing. And uh, I love what He wants to encourage us about. So part of our vision at City Lights is that you would thrive in your workplace and that you would see renewal as part of what you do. Now, here's a question. What is your view of work? When I say the word work to you, what do you think? Do you think it's a necessary evil? All right. Do you think it's something that you have to tolerate in order to get somewhere? Or do you think that the purpose of your work is just to get money? Right, So you can get money, so you can provide for your needs, you can provide your status, security, all kinds of things so you can do what you really want to do. When I, think, when I talk to you about work, do you think of it as an interruption, as something that you need to kind of get past? You know, that saying, I'm just living for the weekend. So as soon as you get to Monday, your eyes are on Friday afternoon, all right? living for the weekend. Is that your approach to work? Some of us, when it comes to talking about work, we actually have a little bit of fear. We fear that work is going to damage us. We fear that work is going to chew us up and spit us out. We fear that work is going to burn us up and it's going to limit our ability to be present. Maybe it's going to damage our family time. Maybe it's going to damage our health. There are all kinds of ways that we look at work. But here's what I want to say. Work is part of God's kingdom and it's part of God's plan. And if we don't have a biblical understanding and a biblical foundation about work based on the word of God, then here's a couple of things that will happen. Firstly, Christianity and your faith will become irrelevant for about 50% of your waking hours. If you don't understand God's plan, God's purpose, 
his intention for work and how he wants us to function and operate in the workplace, 50% of your waking hours will be irrelevant. Your Christianity, your faith, and you'll come up with what I call this weird dualism where you'll be clocking off, you'll be leaving your Christianity at the door, and then you'll be um, just picking it up at the end of the week, right? And so you'll just be clocking off and clocking on with your faith and your Christianity. You will divide your life between the sacred and the secular, the things that God cares about, maybe coming to church, maybe family, maybe when you're praying, and then, oh, God doesn't care about or doesn't have a plan for the everyday parts of work. You will also limit God's interest, care, and voice in your life. That's one reason it will be irrelevant. The second reason is this, that the world will never see Christians thrive in their natural habitat. The world will never see your natural habitat, where you are truly yourself, where you live out your faith the most, is when you are at work and when you are at home. If you want to understand how you think about God, how you feel about God, that all comes with your when you're at work and when you're at home. Now, I remember the 4th of September, 2006, 4th of September, 2006. I remember that day I was working in Sydney in a very bland corporate office, a state office with fabric walled cubicles. And it was in that moment that I heard the news that Steve Irwin had died. And that was tragic because Steve Irwin was this global icon. He was this Australian figure. There's a picture of him up here. And he existed to see the environment and to see animals function in their natural habitat. He was also a believer, had a strong faith in God, and that was part of his purpose and his mission. And that was something that was so incredible, something he was passionate about. But here's what I also want to say in this moment, that you are supposed to thrive in your natural habitat of work and at home. And today we're talking about work. Your Christianity is supposed to exist at that level. The third reason that we need to have a clear biblical understanding of work is this that if we don't, we will function and adopt a method of living at work that is separated from God and His plans and His purposes. And that's what we're here to talk about. Here are a couple of fears, all right? Here are a couple of things that I've heard that people, when they say, okay, if I'm going to embrace God's plan and purpose, I'm afraid that Christianity will make me weak and weird in the, in the workplace. Some people will say, okay, Andrew, that's fine, but Christianity doesn't work in my workplace. We, it doesn't function. Those principles don't translate. And I'm afraid that I'm going to have to be kind of mystical, and I'm afraid that I'm going to have to start every meeting with a, uh, a prayer meeting. I'm afraid I'm going to have to speak in tongues out loud going through my office. And people have this fear that says, okay, I don't want to touch that space because 
they think that following Jesus in the workplace means that you spend your entire time telling people about Jesus and praying, and they can't see how things relate. They think it'll make you a pushover. It'll make you passive. You'll just have to be like, oh, just whatever you want. You can't uh, exercise any authority or strength in the workplace. People are afraid that it will be incompatible and ineffective. Some people are afraid that they will be persecuted in their workplace. Certainly that's happened to me. Not at a high level, right? Not like a physical harm, but yes, definitely excluded from things because of my belief. And so today, what we're saying is that our work needs to be reclaimed, restored, and redeemed. Here's what I want to say. God has not called you to live for the weekend. God has not called you to just say, okay, I've got to get through this week just to get to the fun stuff or just to get to the good stuff. God has called you to live on purpose every day for Him and to glorify Him. And so to understand God's plan, we're going to go to the book of Genesis. Now, the book of Genesis is the origin story of humanity. It's in the book of Genesis that we see the answer to the big questions that people want to know. Why am I here? Who made me? What is my destiny? What is my purpose? And we see those answers in the book of Genesis. Now, we're going to pick up partway through the creation story. And the creation story is this, God creating the, the earth by His power, the Holy Spirit hovering the creative force of God, God speaking, and the earth being created. And we see this, and as God is creating, God is actually at work, and as He is creating, He is saying that His work is good. And this is my first point, that God's work, God works, and God calls work good, the product of His work. Genesis chapter 1. And verse 24, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And this is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And here's what we know. Work is good and work creates things that are good. We also know that work is something that God does. Jesus himself in John chapter 5 says this, My father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. So this fact that God, this creator God, he's a creative force working for good in the earth. Now, here's a couple of implications from this story. We see in the story that God created the earth in uh, six days and had one day off. Now, one of the key purposes of this is to create a rhythm of life which is sustainable. And here are some of the implications, is that you and I were created to do work and to do a lot of work without it harming us, with one condition, 
that we have a day off. And the purpose of that day off is to worship and to enjoy relationships and take a break and to trust that we don't have to work nonstop because while we rest, God continues to do things and we trust God. So here's an implication. You were created to work and you can handle a lot of work. You've got to take a day off, but that's a good thing. It silences some of our fears that you can have, you can go for it at work. You can really make a difference. You can handle work, but also you've got to know when to pull the brakes. You've got to know when to stop. You've got to know when to create time and space to worship God and experience community with others, which is a big reason why you're here. In verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So here's this implication. God works and does good work. And we were created in the image of God, so therefore we were created to work. And here's my first statement about work. For you and I to say this, I was created to work and it's part of God's design. God has designed me to work. Here's the other thing that we could say, because God created this perfect planet, this paradise, we could also say this phrase, that work is part of paradise. Some people think the idea of paradise is where you're just sitting on a hammock on a beach, enjoying that. And I want to say, if you need a holiday, go for it. But that is not God's plan because here's what we know from studies of all different kinds is that for us to have meaningful work is essential for human beings to thrive. If we just commit either to excessive work or either excessive rest where we don't do anything, both of those things are damaging for us. And God wants us to know that we are created to work and that we will thrive when we do. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And what does this mean? God created us. We are a good work and he's created us to do good works. This is part of God's healthy plan for human flourishing. First thing, I was created to work. It's part of God's design. Let's continue to read Genesis 1, 28. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. My second point is this, and I want some of you, this is going to really help some of you uh, for the reasons that I will tell you. And this phrase, my work of any kind is part of an assignment and calling from God. Your work of any kind, whether or not it's your dream job, whether or not you are working hard in your home, looking after your children, keeping them alive, 
whether you are, have had some disappointments and you are not in the place where you thought you would be or your career has had a, had a change or a detour, whatever it is, your work of any kind is part of an assignment and calling from God. I don't know if any of you have heard of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, all right? It's one of the most prestigious uh, hotel companies in the world. And they have this phrase on their website that has been there since the company's inception. And here's what the phrase says. I don't know if you've heard this. It says, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's on their website. And this phrase was started by a man called Hurst Schultz. So he was a co-founder and past president. You can see a picture of him of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. And he is described as a man, this is the phrase, whose biblical beliefs are not pasted on. What does that mean? He's a man of strong commitment to God, to the Word of God, and strong foundation. Now, I want you to see how uh, he has, uh, what God has showed him and how that has changed the company. Now, he is the one, here's, let me read a couple of more things. He believes employees are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And here's what it says, employees are not mere functional warm bodies, They are valued, gifted, worthy creations of a living God. Now, let's read a little bit about what he says, how he came to this statement. He shares the origin of this motto. This is an interview. He says, I started in the hotel business when I was 14 years old as a busboy. My mother took me to the hotel to work for the first time And she said, here's what she said, we could never go to this hotel. This is only for important people, for important, fine people. This is what she said. So you're lucky. Behave yourselves. Wash your hands. She was a typical mum. Anyone have a mum like that? He went to the hotel and the general manager talked to my mother and me for 15 minutes and told us we could never be like the guests that came to the hotel. He said, so don't ever get jealous. This is for ladies and gentlemen, very important people. By the time I started working in the restaurant, I knew the guests were very important. But here, listen to this. But a few months later, I realized that the maitre d' I watched every day was just as important because every guest was proud when he talked to them. Why? Because he was a first-class professional. He was somebody special because of the excellence he created for the guests. So when I went to hotel school about a year and a half later, so he's 15 and a half years old, right? This is amazing. The teacher asked me to write a story describing what I felt about the business. And I wrote about the maitre d' of my hotel. I titled it, he's 15 and a half years old, co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and this slogan still exists on their website today. Here's what he titled it, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. I wrote we could be excellent like he was, absolute excellence. 
When you walked into a room, you knew he was there. In any moment, all of us who serve can be ladies and gentlemen, just like the guests. I think it's a powerful thing that shouldn't be missed by the wonderful people in this industry. They should understand that. Here's what I want you to know, that in the biblical model that has a deep sense of value for every human being and a deep sense of dignity, that everybody can find purpose and fulfillment. We don't have to be on top. We don't have to be the ones being served. But here is this idea that Jesus lived and embodied is that when we serve, we carry dignity. We carry the image of the Father. When we work and when we conduct ourselves with excellence, that God loves it and God values it. And here's what I want to say. You don't have to work your way into significant. You are significant. And that you can carry that kind of excellence. And the way that you carry yourself in the workplace can change environments. You can have extraordinary value in ordinary life. So here's a question for you. Uh, Are you in a job? Are you waiting for the perfect job? Are you waiting for someone to say, one day when I am, fill in the gaps, then I'll be able to. And here's what I want to encourage you, is that every work, that your work of any kind is an assignment and calling from God. 1 Corinthians 7, 17, the first part says, Only let each person lead the life that God has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Now, Paul here is talking about everyday life. Wherever your life intersects with Jesus, he says, consider that an assignment and a calling. Now, in the Bible, in the New Testament, when the words assignment and calling, they are high and lofty concepts, right? This is what we see as we look at these words scattered throughout the New Testament. Assignment and calling from God. These are high concepts. But Paul here appropriates them and says, whatever circumstances you find yourself, consider yourself on assignment from God. Consider yourself called by God. So whether you are serving coffee or in a courtroom or leading or managing an organization or picking up somebody's mess, picking up garbage, changing a nappy, whatever it is, consider yourself on assignment and called by God. Let me ask you, does that change the way that you think about your current circumstance and your current life, that you are on assignment and are called by God? That's the second point. My third point is this. The world thrives when I'm good at what I do, and that's part of God's plan too. The world is a better place when you are good at what you do. Here's the, the passage says this, God's command, be fruitful and multiply. Whatever you, your hands find to do, consider yourself called and assigned by God and do a great job. And that in itself is part of God's plan. Be good at what you do. So here's a question. 
we're about to go on a, a, a plane. And the pilot of the plane, you've got a couple of questions for him. Is one of the questions, are you a Christian? Is that your primary primary question to the to the pilot? No. Why? Because you want to know if he can fly a plane. He or she can fly a plane, right? But also, what I would say in that moment, if you are coming to a pilot and, and he says, I'm a Christian, for many of us, the idea of being a Christian in a workplace has lost its meaning. Where realistically... Being a Christian in the workplace should carry significance. That if someone says, hey, I'm a Christian pilot, you would think this person is going to be excellent at what they do. This person is going to be focused. This person is going to carry integrity. This person is going to do a really good job in getting this plane where it needs to go. And here's what I want to say is that in our workplace, one of the main functions as a Christian that God has called us to do is to do a great job, is to do an outstanding job, is to carry excellence, to do the best that you could and to do that as part of your assignment and calling to God. And this is really important. Let me give you an example. February 24. 1989, a United Airlines flight 811 took off from Honolulu on its way to New Zealand. The 747 had climbed to 22,000 feet. Anyone have a fear of flying here? Okay, close your ears. (laughs) When the front cargo door blew open, rearing a huge hole in the side of the plane, Nine passengers were immediately sucked out of the plane to their deaths. Two right engines were damaged by flying debris and taken out of commission. The plane was 100 miles from land. The captain, David Cronin, brought all of his wisdom and 38 years of piloting experience to bear. To compensate from the lack of thrust for the two right engines, he struggled to hold the control column steady with his hands while using his feet to pressure on the control floor rudder to stabilize the plane. His stickiest problem, however, was deciding how fast to fly. He slowed the plane as close to stall speed as possible to keep the air rushing over the plane from further widening the hole in the fuselage. Because the hole had changed the aerodynamics of the huge craft, the usual data regarding stall speed was no longer relevant. The pilot, knowing this, had to use his best judgment. Furthermore, since the plan had taken on 300,000 pounds of fuel for the long flight, it was too heavy to land without collapsing the landing gear. Then he encountered a new problem. Of course, the wing flaps used to slow the plane down were not working properly. He would have to land the plane at 195 miles per hour compared to the normal speed of 170 miles per hour. The jet weighed 610,000 pounds, well above Boeing's recommended maximum stress load of 564,000 pounds. Nevertheless, Captain Cronin made one of the smoothest landings the rest of the crew could remember. Amid the cheers of the passengers... Airline experts called the landing miraculous. 
A few days after the harrowing experience, an interviewer asked Captain Cronin about his first thoughts following the loss of the cargo door. He said, I said a prayer for my passengers momentarily, and then I got back to business. And I'd encourage you, this is a wonderful example of what it means to be a Christian in the marketplace, in that he is connected to God, he's tapping into God's help, and he's asking for God's help, but he is a person with wisdom, he is a person with experience, he is a person who is committed to excellence in his role. And I think it's just really important for us to know that this is one of the primary things that God has called you to do in whatever you are doing. To whatever God has placed in your hands, to do it with excellence, to work at it. Not to be thinking about what's next, but to be saying, God, I want to make a difference with what you've called me. I believe that you've called me to this season. It doesn't mean you can never look for another job, another opportunity. But what it means is that you can be present knowing that God has empowered you, called you, and you can become really good at what you do. And here's what I want to say. When good work is my design and God's plan for humanity to thrive, I can have the confidence to give it my full focus embody excellence and receive God's help. Let me say that again because I, this, is a, this is a key statement and I believe this will help you. When good work is my design and God's plan for humanity to thrive, I can have the confidence to give it my full focus, embody excellence and receive God's help. You know, the other thing that I want to say is as a church, we won't be able to fulfill our mission unless we get a hold of this concept and to, uh, to live it out every day because our church exists, this one word, to see renewal. That's why our church exists. It's not our word. We didn't come up with it. We just read the Bible and we see it's God's plan for humanity to renew and restore and regenerate and bring things back to their original design and purpose. And here's what I want to say is that you representing Jesus, doing an excellent job, is going to be the difference that our world needs, that our society needs. Let me ask you a question. I know some of what some of you do, but if you're in a medical space, if you're in a hospital and you bring excellent care, that brings proper diagnosis, that is personable, that helps families struggle through different difficult times, that walks alongside people. Do you think that that makes a difference in people's lives? If you are an employer and you do your absolute best to be a great leader and to be a great boss to people, do you think that having a great boss makes a difference? Of course it makes a difference. If you are in a courtroom if you are working with families in difficult issues, maybe there's separation or custody battles, and you allow the wisdom of God and the excellence to permeate everything that you say, and you partner with God and do a great job, do you think that that will make a difference in our society? 
Of course it does. For those here that are teachers, do you think that leading kids well, getting alongside them, encouraging them, believing in their potential, challenging them to go a bit further, do you think that that can make a difference in our society? Of course it can. For those that are parents, mums and dads, working in your home and you're like, all I do is work in my home. It's not a place of rest. This is a season, right? Do you think that you are being really good as a parent, partnering with God, allowing the peace of God to fill you and doing your absolute best to raise those kids is going to make a difference? Of course it's going to make a difference. And I want to encourage you that we can stand as Christians with our shoulders back and we can say, hey, God designed me to work. It's part of who I am. It's part of who He is. He wants to help me work. And when I focus and deliver excellence that is connected to God, that is inspired by the wisdom of God, that is hard-earned and hard-worked through my study, through my commitment to what I do, through my energy and effort, then I'm going to make a difference in this world. I'm going to invite the team back. Here's my final point. It's just a short one. And it's this. Because God created me to work, he sees and rewards my work. Have you ever been in a job where you felt undervalued? Have you ever been in a job where you felt overlooked? There is something powerful as a Jesus follower, as someone who uh, loves God, who's someone who's connected in our work to eternity, that every time we do something, we go the extra mile, we're not doing it for our employer. We're not doing it for the people that we work through. That's a benefit, but ultimately we're doing it to please God. Here's what the Bible says, Corinthians 3, 23. It says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. One of the favourite quotes that I've heard this year is this one from a pastor in America. He says, We need to live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. That's Jesus. That everything that we do, we do it. We give our best when no one's watching. Why? Because it honours Jesus. Why? Because He's cheering us on. Why? Because He has created us and designed us to carry excellence in our workplace. And this is who we are in Christ. God has called us to this and it's Jesus who came he came to restore dignity he came to renew the earth to its original plan and he called us to partner with him and here's my question what if we as a church embraced this concept what if Christians and the people that are associated with this church were known for their excellence, were known for the way that they carried themselves with integrity, were known that they were reliable, were known that they were trustworthy in the workplace, were known that they were good managers and good employees. I believe that the ripple effect of that would be so positive 
in our world. And this is part of why Jesus came. We're going to take a few moments to pray. And I want to pray for a couple of groups of people. Uh, Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes just so that uh, people can feel free to respond just in a way where I can pray with them. But first of all, I want to pray for anyone here who is looking for work and you want a job, but you haven't been able to get one. And I want to pray for you. If there's anyone here, you are looking for a job, I want to pray for you. Cool. Is there anyone here you are struggling in your workplace and you are needing God to come through for you? Is there anyone here? Would you put up your hand if that's you? Awesome. Awesome. We're just going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here's what we're going to pray. If work is God's idea, that we would flourish and thrive and make a difference, then He will give us all the power that we need. And so God, right now, we release peace. We release power. Lord, for those people that are in the battle, in the fight, in their workplace, who are wanting to grow and thrive in every way, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would release your grace to them and the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this song together, Jesus at the Center, before we close. And as you sing, I want you to to see Jesus at the center of your workplace, cheering you on, empowering you, giving you faith and life and peace and vision for your workplace. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.